Play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. All up in her DMs. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you were wondering what you were just listening to, Yo Gotti, a rapper who has zero money or record sales, made a song called Down in Your DMs where he slides a message into your direct message box. Selena knows all about that. People are always going into her DMs and she ignores them. But no, this song has been stuck in my head for. 28 to 36 hours. Thank you for playing it because now it's going to be there. 28 to 36? Down in your DMs. <laughs> but fun fact about Yo Gotti, he mentions Angela Simmons in here and oh, says yes. that he's going to slide into her DMs. Well, guess what? They went out on a date. He, no. shot, he, sh- he shot his shot and it worked. Yes. He didn't, they didn't go on a date. Yes, I think that did. she definitely friend zoned him. Nope. I've been following her Instagram account. Nope. He's down in her DMs. Oh, goodness. Well, we're back, guys. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. My name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Stanley Fritz on the PC Ones and Twos. And Alyssa Fuchs here is our legal correspondent. And, guys, like I said, we just wrapped up. Well, we're about to wrap up the year 2015. <laughs> it was such a good year for me. I'm like, you know, I went to Paris. I went to some. I went to, um, where did I go in the summer? It was some, It was not Jamaica. It was. She don't even know. Grand, oh, the Grand Cayman Island. No, no, no. It, it was such a really good year. And um, we had a lot of victories overall throughout the nation. But then there was a lot of downfalls and a lot of backlash, a lot of protests. Mets lost to the Royals and the Royal Cherries. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. So, you know, what we're going to start off talking about. Um, just the LGBT movement and the victories that happened. I mean, we had everything from Caitlyn Jenner, who is actually being named Barbara Walters' most fascinating person of what? 2015. There yes. are way more fascinating people. Than Caitlyn Jenner? Yes. What do you, I mean, that's, like, what listen, do you, what do you think, think about that? Uh, you know, th- yeah, there's a lot of fascinating people, you know. Yeah. And who, well, who's fa- <laughs> who, who is more fascinating yeah. than somebody who else? Who would you pick? It's completely, it's completely subjective, right? It's, yeah. You're going to find one person fascinating that I'm not and vice versa. Well, here's my thing. Can we talk about this for a second? Yeah, sure. Okay. So here's my thing. I don't like the all the praise that Caitlyn Jenner is getting. Well, I if I, I find it to be problematic because I feel like people are doing it to make a political statement because it's a safe political statement. It's like when people start talking about equal pay, but they were only talking about it for one group of people. And Caitlyn, Caitlyn Jenner, like, fits a certain, like, you know, fits a certain demographic where it's like, oh, we can say how beautiful she is and, and whatnot, but then say Serena Williams looks like a man. Well, you know, here's my And also, thing about she's it. not that good of a per- person. No, I mean, her, whether she's that good of a person is debatable. <laughs> but what I will say about it is, it, like, it's definitely for better or for worse and despite Caitlyn's privilege which I think she's now starting to recognize it has definitely brought trans issues into the forefront this year we had the release of Amazon series Transparent Um, you had that uh, was before her though well that was slightly before her but at the beginning of 2015 and now the second season had just came out you had Laverne Cox and Orange is the New Black who was before her uh, who was before her and then you had Caitlyn Jenner Um, and I think those three things really pushed the trans issue into the forefront and um as you know, much as people like to hate on Caitlyn Jenner because of the fact, and especially trans people, because of the fact that she's had a lot of privilege and hasn't had to go through the things that these a lot of these women have had to go through. At the same time, she's helped to make the issue more prevalent, and so you know you can't you can't knock that, right? No. So she's sort of now using her privilege and her position of privilege and power to bring these issues to light to people who don't have a voice, and I think that's commendable for what it's. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that she's getting a lot of. L- Awards for this she, woman of the year. She was given. But I'm the, not talking um, about the rewards she's getting. And like, I just, I, I think that her politics are still. 
I, don't, I think her politics are still very problematic and that she's not necessarily on the side of the LGBT community when it doesn't affect her. So go ahead, Samin, I'm sorry. Um, guys, I just wanted to say, if you want to chime into uh, this little debate we're having, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, we're talking about the LGBT movement, victories, and Caitlyn Jenner has definitely been at the forefront of a lot of LGBT issues this year. And I want to say that it was kind of like, for her to say like she's just now realizing her privilege, I mean, like as a white man, as when she lived her life as a white man, it's like, how did you not, as a rich white man, right. I don't understand how you just lived in a world where you were just 100% oblivious to all of this privilege. And then when she decided to transition, it's like, y- but, you know. You know, but here's the other thing. And that's sort of a good segue into the bigger news that happened right. this year about the gay marriage issue, which is a lot of people in the trans community sort of felt out, left out of that victory. It was like, oh, people are celebrating, you know, this, that, and the third. And, you know, it's great that same-sex marriage is going to become legal. Um, but, you know, trans people are constantly being left out of that conversation. So, you know, at the same time, you had these two, like, competing tracks um, going on where, you know, you had um, both, like, on one one hand, like, the visibility of same-sex marriage with the Supreme Court decision, which was a huge victory. At the same time, the trans community being like, we feel excluded from that. And then the rise of, you know, trans issues be going much more mainstream. Um, I mean, yeah. like like I said, for better or for worse, you can love or hate Caitlyn Jenner. Um, you could feel however you want to feel about mm. her. But at the same time, like, trans issues really are sort of coming into the forefront, especially after the marriage decision. I mean, we, just to give you a throwback, we did a whole segment on, bath, on the bathroom issue, which you should definitely listen we to, just need to pee. Um, if you want to check out that show that we've I hate, done. I hate no. to say it, but you're right, Alyssa. No, we're having the conversation because of Caitlyn Jenner right now. Um, we have a caller on the line, Patricia, who would like to let her voice be heard. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm calling because I'm really a little confused about the trans issue when it comes to the ladies' bathrooms. Because, you know, women who are real women... Things like we have far as, are we going to forget that we have the physical part, our menstrual, our cramps, uh, childbirth, all that? Is that irrelevant? I'm actually going to direct you back to listen to our uh, previous show on that. We've discussed that issue at length. And since this is our wrap-up show for the end of the year, we unfortunately don't have time to really get into the details of that. Um, But we have discussed that issue at length. We had people on to discuss um, exactly that. So I direct you back to our We Just Need to Pee show from earlier in the year. And it it definitely addresses that issue. Um, And it's a great resource and great place to start. And if you want more information about that issue, you should definitely check out um, some of the, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, the Trevor project has some great issue great information about um the bathroom issue as well as the we just need to pee campaign all right so thanks for um for calling in and i was just going to say that like we should remember that the differentiation between men's and women's bathroom was not done because there was such like differences in in body parts it was an issue of superiority what men did in the bathroom was like women couldn't have access to well, thank you for clearing that up, Stanley. And I also wanted to highlight something that Alyssa touched upon, and that was the Supreme Court decision back on June 26th of this year when the Supreme Court said that states can no longer ban same-sex marriage. Um, that was one of the, the biggest victories in the gay rights movement, um, and it was a landmark decision. So I feel like, you know, we the, I, I think that when it came to this year, the LGBT movement and community, we had, like, some backlash when we saw what happened in Kentucky. 
but um, right, um with Kim Davis. Right, with Kim Davis. Um, but then again, we had like these larger victories that a lot of people have been applauding, and you know, it's just like what. So what's next in the movement? What, right. Where should we go now? Uh, I mean, that's a, something I kind of want to save my comments on to our second segment because we're going to talk about sort of projections, and I think that what happens in the next election is going to have a big impact on some of uh, the things that we see that come out of the gay marriage decision and issues with trans people. Right. Um, so I will reserve comment on that. Uh, prompt me at the second half of our show when we're talking about projections. Got you. So talking about movements and victories, we have to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement, which was so prevalent in the year 2015. We also had a long in-depth discussion about the Black Lives Matter movement a few months ago, uh, where we asked the question, is this movement effective in advocating for criminal justice and police reform? What is it that they want? Because a lot of times when we see what's going on in different parts of the of the country, it seems almost scattered it's not like one accord there's no uh leadership uh per se but it's like you know people organizing and just doing things doing things very locally but then when we have like different uprisings and different things that make national news uh, such as the Tamir Rice case the Freddie Gray case etc cetera, etc cetera, then you see people sort of coming uh, together on one accord but I think that if we look at this movement compared to 2015 the the Black Lives Matter movement did I mean, they made waves this year. When we think about how those two black women overtook and hijacked Bernie Sanders' podium a few months ago, I mean, I didn't necessarily agree with that strategy or tactic, but it got something done. It got Bernie Sanders, it got Hillary Clinton, it got the Democratic candidates running in, in the 2016 case talking about these issues and putting it at the forefront of their campaign. I would push back on that some. I don't think that got that done. I think when they when they did that at Netroots, that's what got it done. And I think that the action um, in Seattle was, it was unnecessary. You, you, didn't, you didn't agree when they overtook like, his podium. Well, that's just my point of view. It's not to say that it's wrong, but yeah, like I just, because I felt once at the Netroots, there was a very visible change in the language and the rhetoric used by all three of those candidates, including Bernie Sanders. Now what it did maybe, and I'll give this credit for, is that like it forced Bernie Sanders to like roll out his um, civil rights or criminal justice um, policy faster than he wanted to. But those changes were already happening. Honestly, I thought I didn't, I didn't think that it was the wisest move. I thought the resources could have been used like for something different. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, and I'm not going to even address that. I don't want to wade into the fray on that, but I do want to step back for a second and just talk about how the movement has brought policing issues uh, really into the forefront, sort of in the same vein that you know certain. Certain people help to bring trans issues into the forefront, as we talked about, like at, during the last part of our segment. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement did help bring these issues of policing into the forefront for sure, because you know issues with policing have been going on for a long time. I'm sure you heard this week, and this sort of like a news-ish story that one of the officers who was responsible for the killing of Amadou Diallo, who was shot 41 times, yes. is now being promoted, right? Yeah. And um, so, police. And I bring that up because police killings uh, by the police have. Uh, so police killings of black people by the, eh, that's redundant have been going on for a long long time you know we had Sean Bell and you had Amadou Diallo and I don't know if you remember that Abner guy Luima. Abner Louima he mm -hmm. was not killed but he was sodomized in a bathroom at a precinct and then the police tried to cover it up and those 
issues got traction then, but then people stopped really talking about them. Even like Rodney King. I mean, there was like the L.A. riots, and then that was 1992. And yet from 1992 until 2015, you continue to have these issues, and they're not in the forefront. Now in 2015, you know, maybe it's because cameras are becoming a lot more ubiquitous, and so a lot of these things are being caught on camera now. So between the cameras and the publicization of these issues by the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you're starting to see a lot more traction. For example, the Justice Department is going to settle with the city of Ferguson. That was just announced this week. Um, and they're going to institute a whole bunch of reforms to try and fix some of the policing. So, you know, unfortunately, sometimes a bad event um, and, you know, an unfortunate event can lead to things getting a lot more traction. And, you know, you don't want to necessarily have that kind of event to get that kind of traction. But definitely combining these events with the movement, you've seen a lot more movement. And I can say that from my own perspective as a civil rights attorney who's been working on these issues for a while. Yeah, and then guys, if you want to call in with a question or comment, the number is 212-650-6903. I also want to credit Black Lives Matter because without the pressure that Black Lives Matter has really put on a police state and on elected officials, we may not see an atmosphere right now where Rahm Emanuel may be forced to resign from his position as mayor of Chicago. And we those that video of those cops killing that young man, Laquan McDonald, that video may have never come out. Black Lives Matter, no matter how, like, no matter what you think about, like, all their tactics, they have forced the issue and forced the conversation that we're having. So much that even President Obama has finally come out and started to make some comments about Black Lives Matter. There was one uh, press event where he actually explained that Black Lives Matter is not anti-police, but they're more so just putting a spotlight on police uh, brutality okay. and put in, and putting a spotlight on police accountability in our country, something that has never really took taken place. So I think that like, no, like, like Stanley and Alyssa have said, this when it like comes to Black Lives Matter, they have definitely made a lot of progress when it comes to advocating for these issues and getting our elected officials to comment and to make changes. This is like the second coming of like the civil rights movement. Definitely. And it's definitely like keeping moving forward. And for a long time, these, these things have been going on, you know, since the 1950s, since Jim Crow. And yet they did not get the attention that other issues have gotten. And like I said, I credit the movement. I also credit the widespread use of cameras. And I'm not necessarily saying police body cameras. Just the fact that people are out there and they're filming the police and they're saying, you know, we're going to hold you accountable for the actions that you take because, yes, you are... Um, you know, a public servant. And yes, you do a dangerous job. At the same time, you also have to make sure that the way you act and the way you treat other people is in line with our constitutional standards, um, you know, and that we're not just having police running around being the judge, jury and executioner all at once. No, you're, you're absolutely right about that. And I think that um, it's even affected us and our nation psychologically. Like I know for a fact that, you know, I'm always being watched and you can't really get away with things in our world. And I'm trying to think police officers have to start to try to take a step back and look at themselves and say that, you know, me mistreating somebody or abusing somebody will get me in trouble. You know what I have not been a fan of what? this year? And I actually brought, brought it to my attention with South Park, outrage culture. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is just that, like, you can get crucified or murdered. I'm, I'm being like, I'm happy. I mean, hyperbolic, but like you can really like lose it all because of some comments, whether it be a joke or something misinterpreted, people will go all out for you. So I'll give you an example of something that, I, in my opinion, I thought it was like outrage culture. So someone was saying that um, black women matter, right? So some white guy at Stanford said black women matter, but they're not that hot. Mm, he was suspended kidding? for two years from the school. 
Hold on, hold on. So you're saying this was an administrator or a student? Who, who was this person? This was a student. A student yeah. was suspended. For two years. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. That is over the top. Yes, the, but the, well, but these schools are responding like that because they're afraid that things are going to go crazy. Or there's another one where it's a student, he asked for a fee waiver to go to um, NYU. And the administrator wrote back and said, hey, listen, um, we're happy you want to come here, but if you can't afford like the $65 fee waiver, like maybe you should take a sec back because tuition here is over $60,000 a year and we don't offer that much scholarship. So he went on Twitter and shared the letter and started having people bash the, um, the administrator. And now he's going to go to NYU for free. So here's my thing about that. Maybe the administrator shouldn't have said that, but he's right. What do you want to happen? Right. I mean, well, that's the thing. We even saw some of this happen um, at Stanford University, and we had a little debate here a few weeks ago when we talked about how the students there are advocating to get Woodrow Wilson completely removed right. from that. the school and his legacy. And the thing is, like, he Woodrow Wilson was president during a time when um, civil rights was n- a non-issue. Like, it was legal. T- segregation was legal. So, and I think that he was a man of the times, and he did found he did help found the school, and he did do a lot of things for that establishment there. But they were like, you know what? His legacy is tainted. I think we should talk about it. But to say to re- completely remove his image from like the cafeteria and these buildings, I, di- I I didn't know if that was necessary. Right. I mean, listen, I agree with you. I I don't like the outrage culture either. I mean, like there has to be. You know, people get into this debate about, like, are we too PC versus not wanting to be, uh, you know, like overly PC, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the Confederate flag came down, which was warranted. The gay flag in some ways went up. And you know what? We do have to make sure that we're not being overly PC because we want to have a, a, you know, be able to have frank and honest discussions. That's why I like being able to have conversations with you guys. I mean, because Stanley and I can have a conversation and we can say things that aren't so PC, maybe not on the air. But, you know, we can have that conversation without having to worry that we're going to offend each other. But but not everybody can do that. But that's why we like to understand each other, because we're not afraid to have honest conversations. But, guys, we do have to go on a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about more of the biggest things from 2015. This is what of the biggest dance moves of 2015. Only dance moves I know how to do. Look at my dad. Look at my dad. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The, the Voice, Voice of, of Harlem. Harlem. Listen, girl, my hip is sore. Help us out by giving WHCR $30 for 30 for 30 because if you love us, show us it's real. Selena? There is no correlation between your hurt hip and them giving donations. So make sure you say it's for Let Your Voice Be Heard <laughs> Radio. Yeah, thank you, Alyssa. She knows what the skinny is. All right, guys, so we're back. We are talking about all the biggest issues and topics of 2015. This is our annual year in review here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. And we have a comment from one of our bigger supporters in 2015. Whether you love us or hate us, as long as you listen, we love you back. We have Miss Deborah on the line who would like to let her voice be heard about one of the stories we were talking about, Black Lives Matter. Miss yeah. Deborah. How are you? Listen, just in case, you know, like with the issue with uh, Princeton, okay? Instead of you wanting, no, I'm not saying you should erase history, but right next to what he was about, you should, I mean, what, what people think that he was about, you should put next to who he really was. And you should, because the next generation that's coming, they will really believe that this man is a fine, upstanding person. And if someone says, oh, no, he wasn't, he was this, he was that, he was the other, you should explain why you're saying this. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You should explain, because there are a lot of, there are a lot of um, um, 
there are a lot of uh, statues, even through Central Park, that have people who have done horrible things to people, but nobody knows who they are. Right. No, I, we agree with you there. I do think that we need to be transparent about our history here in the United States, about slavery, and stop whitewashing everything. You're right, Woodrow Wilson, as along with a number of our presidents and elected officials and leaders who we put on this hero level, were a part of that slave culture. I know we got to move on, but I just want to say Woodrow Wilson was not just a man of his times. He was an exceptional racist. He was above and beyond the the line of the call of duty for racism. He was a, a bigger piece of crap as you could be in that time. Time period. Let's be very clear about that. Right. And Hopefully, I, he's burning in hell. We definitely should educate people. Like that's the key, right? Which is not to erase it, not to ignore it, is to address it. And you address it through education and through you know telling people about the history that they should know about. Right. Exactly. All right. So we're moving right along. Again, we had a great year, but something that wasn't too great, or at least was very nuanced to say the least, was immigration reform um, in the year 2015. Now. The reason why immigration reform was so big was Donald Trump. He kept talking about it as soon as he launched his um, <clears throat> presidential campaign in, tw- in June 2016. He was making these remarks, anti-immigrant remarks. But I'm going to push back on that because I don't think that's exactly why immigration reform became such a big issue this year. I think it became a big issue this year because of the migrant crisis with all the children that were coming from Central America. Um, now, I don't know if you remember that. That was, you know. A while, it seems like a while back, although that was that was earlier this year. Uh, there was a large influx of um, children, women and children coming from South American countries. They were trying to escape war, t- you know, the war, uh, drug war and other things that were going on. And we had basically a crisis at the border. Now, obviously, that may have actually triggered Donald Trump's comments, but I think it's the other way around. I don't think Donald Trump's crisis comments triggered like immigration. I feel like the big thing people really started talking about immigration because of the migrant crisis and then of course immigration reform failed well the migrant crisis happened in the summer of 2014 that's when a lot of um children came without parents undocumented children were coming from honduras el salvador and these central american countries and crossing the border themselves and we had you know there was definitely a lot of big to do about it but then when donald trump again launched his campaign in 2016 the first thing he said is we have these mexicans coming over here they're rapists they're they're drug um, they're, they're drug dealers and they're coming into us and just spreading this this fear that we should fear these the other. We should fear these immigrants. And I think that even I mean, the surge did it sort of peaked in November a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think that for the most part, immigration reform almost fell flat in this country. We had Black Lives Matter. We had LGBT. But when it came to in- immigration, it kind of fell under the radar. And it was unfortunate because President Obama did have his executive orders in 2014, which was actually going to stop up to 5 million undocumented people living here in the U.S. from being deported. These are our workers. These are our friends, our neighbors. They have families. They are, you know, they are part of our society and our community. And Obama finally took a stance on it, but he got so much pushback on that. So, again... When it came to immigration reform, we did see it, I think, in a negative light. We saw it was very, it was almost like he was raising a lot of red flags. Right, it didn't happen. But anytime we were talking about immigrants, it happened to be because of something Donald Trump said. 
Yes and no. Like I said, I think there was other relevant issues that came into play uh, during that conversation about immigration and immigration reform, because I feel like Donald Trump didn't really come onto the scene so much with his comments until midway through the year when the election cycle really started gearing up, at least at the beginning of 2015, like the first three, four months of the year, like January through like April. uh, That was sort of prior to kind of incendiary remarks being made by Donald Trump. Stanley, what are your thoughts, comments on immigration reform in 2015? Well, it's been a pretty interesting year as far as immigration reform because we had that entire situation where we had a lot of children coming from Southern America and Central America, and everyone was saying, oh, we've got to solve this problem, we've got to help these kids, but then they didn't want to put any legislation forward that would help these families out. And then all of a sudden you had another situation where people were arguing about Syrian refugees and whether we should bring people in. And then that conversation just kind of died. Then Donald Trump jumps into the forefront and he starts calling Mexicans criminals and rapists and killers. And all of a sudden the conversation is back. But now it's really showing the xenophobic side of America. We have a really nuanced, we've had a really nuanced conversation or argument so, so to speak, about immigration this year. And it's left me nothing but frustrated. Oh, yeah, definitely very frustrated, especially because Congress refuses to do anything. I mean, when it comes to guns and immigration, Congress just takes a hands-off approach. Well, I mean, yeah, definitely speaking about other domestic issues, I think the gun issue is a really great example of absolute inaction, despite the fact that poll numbers show something like 92% of Americans, including gun owners and people who are not gun owners but shoot guns for sport um, or for hunting that don't, don't necessarily own them, support those kind of background checks and expanding the national instant background check and yet as you know we've done several shows throughout the course of this year <laughs> where there's been several different shootings that have happened and uh, sometimes we almost feel like it's repetitive but we keep trying to address the same issue and, and right. again nothing gets done I think one time I said that the hashtag was because Congress right and we had a good joke yeah. about that right. and and on the other flip side of that the one thing that you did actually see get done this year was the budget got passed for right. once this this was after at the beginning of the year we had all these near you know, following 2014's government shutdown at the beginning of 2015, you had all these near misses with, are they going to raise the debt ceiling? Are they going to do a long term budget? And then finally, uh, just recently, you saw that an actual budget was passed and it is going to be signed into law. And unfortunately, we don't have time to get into a longer conversation about what I'm going to mention right now. But it turns out that within this budget, there's actually a surveillance provision that sort of reinstated part of the Patriot Act that like nobody knows about and nobody's really talking about. If you want to know more about that, definitely go look it up because we don't have time to get into it. Um, So it's sort of like the good and the bad because we had the whole like Edward Snowden conversation last year, 2014, and then the Patriot Act like expired. That was this year in 2015. And now it turns out that parts of it are being reinstated because they were inserted into the budget bill that just passed last week. Comments on the budget, Stanley, before I segue? Like not necessarily the budget, but just like America really reminds me of the the book 1984 by George Orwell. It's it's so scary how similar it is sometimes. In regards to the budget, I was really surprised the budget passed. And then when I heard what was in it, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Well, it, it was definitely a compromise. Kudos to Paul Ryan, our new speaker of the House, because as he said it, you know, this is what democracy looks like we didn't get everything we wanted democrats didn't get everything we wanted but we were we managed to pass the bill it was signed into law and there was no government shutdown whereas last year and in 2013 at this time there was gridlock in congress but something finally made a way and um speaking of surveillance something that Alyssa just brought up i wanted to talk about muslim surveillance isis islamophobia because that was one of the biggest issues of 2015 we had those three muslim students who were shot and killed in chapel hill They were college students, and this white man 
shot and killed them. We have Donald Trump talking about we need to ban every Muslim from coming into um, our country, no matter if they're fighting against ISIS. There are more Muslims who are fighting against ISIS and who are being killed by ISIS. But still, we have, again, all of these Islamophobic remarks and sentiment in our country. And we've seen all these attacks on mosques and Sikh temples. I mean, it's just getting ridiculous. And I, 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 I feel for them because it's like you can't even wear a hijab without being discriminated against on the subway. And on top of which, we have sort of this underlying hypocrisy, right? And this is where um, we start to tie together the issue of like religion, gay marriage, the thing we talked about at the beginning of the segment, and this issue, which is, you know, it's like we have freedom of religion, but, you know, apparently freedom of religion has now been perverted into some kind of Muslim exception to mm. the Constitution that doesn't actually exist, and that freedom of religion has also been perverted into discriminating against other people that we disagree with because we don't like get down with that you know no, you're absolutely right Alyssa. and i just want to add to that because there was this very prominent tweet not only is islam different from you know judaism and um christianity but a lot of people were saying that if you think about it who practice it brown people so that was another issue and so yeah. why we have cast muslims as the new other do people forget that jesus was a brown person no he they, wasn't they jesus don't know was white. that he was white they with don't blonde know hair he was a brown eyes person and a if beard. jesus was born in the place where he i don't want to get into a whole theological conversation right now but if jesus was born <laughs> in the place where they say he was born at bethlehem or jerusalem or somewhere in the middle eastern region somewhere um in the time that he was born then he was a brown-skinned jew from the middle east and so I think people should really take a step back and think about that, especially white people, white Christians should think about that before they start preaching on their anti-brown religion thing that they have going on. But notwithstanding, I think Selena brings up some great points about the rise of Islamophobia, and I think that's a great portion where I want to talk about Trump. And I talked about it at length during our last show, um, which is, you know, I think actually Hillary Clinton said it last night during the debate, like the best the, per, the, the, the best recruiter for ISIS right now is Donald mm. Trump, right? Because ISIS is taking what he's saying and going, look, look, the West is having a culture war. They hate Muslims. They hate Muslims. Join ISIS, right? And so I think that's a really salient point that this is somebody who's literally leading in the polls to potentially be our next president. And he is flaming, fanning the flames of propaganda and essentially in some ways helping ISIS to recruit. That is not helping us solve the ISIS problem. Uh, I know during the debate they talked a lot about coalitions last night and, you know, definitely there needs some co to be some coalition building. But at the same time, we need to not fan the flames of extremism through people like Donald Trump. Exactly right, Alyssa. And on that note, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we'll continue this discussion about what happened in 2015. Since you left the city, you... Oh, boy. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. If you were just tuning in, this is Stanley. Cat, zaddy, good hair, pretty eyes, Fritz. Sometimes I slide into my girl's DMs, let her know I still love her. Aww. And I am here with Selena Hill, Alyssa Fuchs, and there was a dark skinned brother with the green V neck. I think he's a dreamer, <laughs> but he might be doing. <laughs> And if you were just tuning in, we were talking about the biggest stories from 2015, and we talked about Blue Ivy Carter. Woo! Just kidding. So, Alyssa, what did we really talk about? I was trying, yeah, that's so 2014. That was so 2014. Saint but wait, I just want to remind you, if you want to give us some hotline bling, you can call us at 212-650-6903. Yes, we would definitely appreciate some of your hotline bling. Thank you for that, Alyssa. Call us on that cell phone. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, guys. So where we left off, we were talking about the rise of ISIS and Islamophobia uh, before we took um, took that break. And I know Stanley wanted to chime in with a closing comment or um, remark about that before yeah. we segue into foreign policy. Yes, because I don't want to give like a, a closing speech or anything, but we just have to remember we have been this place before. Remember back in World War Two when we were like, hey, can we trust the Japanese I'm not sure. Let's put them all in these special camps where they'll be treated equally, but they'll be separated from everyone else, not have food, not have resources, and be treated like crap. And then, once the war's over and we realize what we did wrong, we'll have to give them reparations because we know we screwed up. We've made this mistake before. Why make it again? Why are you treating people differently because of their religion? Why are people who claim to be Christian saying that people are at war against them? Meanwhile, you want to give tests to Muslim people. No, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right about that. And there was another disturbing story that um, didn't didn't sit too well with me. There was this big outrage. I forget the, the, the local, I forget the um, state it was in, but somewhere in the Midwest. And this teacher actually assigned her students to write the Muslim um, statement of faith in Arabic because she was teach, teaching them how to use calligraphy and they, they actually there was so much outrage they shut the school down no no the district they shut the whole district down in Virginia and I'm like are we really that afraid white of, people are of, <laughs> Islam, of, 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 of Muslim of well, Muslim but actually what you mentioned about the Christians is something that I really wanted to address with res- with respect to the refugee crisis because yes um, a good handful of the refugees that are trying to immigrate here to the U.S. are of Muslim faith, but a large portion of the refugees are actually Christians, uh, Christian Syrians. And when I was just listening or watching a special on this last night, actually, uh, when ISIS comes to some of these Christian neighborhoods in Syria, they mark these houses with a cross, just like uh, Jewish homes were marked with a um, star the of David. Uh, yeah, but they mark them with a cross, and when they're marked with a cross, they're marked for destruction. And so these are some of the people, they're not just, I mean, and we should want immigrants to come here, refugees to come here and want to take in refugees because that's the right thing to do as human beings, whether they're Christian or whether they're Muslim. But it's so like crazy to me how you have like white Christians here in the U.S. saying like we can't take in any refugees. Meanwhile, a good portion of some of the people that are being killed or persecuted in Syria by ISIS Mm -hmm. are Christians. Um, So, you know, this whole thing is just so perplexing to me. Uh, I mean, the the um, the Statue of Liberty uh, does not say uh, that our borders are shut to people. From the last I checked, it says, give me your tired, your poor, um, and ends in White. you know, you yearning to be free. Uh, with no, like I said, there's no Muslim exception to the Constitution, yeah. and, uh, you know, there's no brown people exception to, uh, you know, our policies of uh, being the kind of country that reaches out and opens up our doors to those people who need to, you know, come here. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't screen and, and have make sure that the people who are coming here do meet a strict security check background um, so that we are all safe. But it doesn't mean that we are going to close down our borders either. That's just perplexing and absurd. No, it absolutely is. And it's very discouraging, I think, in 2015, how we've been treating um, people of, of Islamic faith and um, brown people. But I mean, again, it's America, right? Yep. Uh, moving right along, there was something very positive that happened. President Obama signed an historic deal, the U.S.-Iran deal, which again uh, was announced back in July. 
And then it finally went into effect. And what it does is, um, so the U.S. and I think about four to five other world powers have agreed to lift Iran's economic sanctions. In turn, the Islamic Republic, they vowed to limit its nuclear program for the next decade. So Iran, instead of continuing to make nuclear weapons and bombs, they said, you know, we'll take, we'll agree diplomatically. Will stop as long as you lift these sanctions and allow us to export and import, uh, allow our country to continue to self-sustain, basically. And it was a very diplomatic approach to solving the Iran um, nuclear program that that was going on. But we had so much backlash from the from Republicans in Congress. You would think that Obama planted a nuclear bomb himself. Well, you're. The Republicans are cr- well, yeah, they're crazy. One, but no, this is a really huge deal, Celine. You, you, you don't like you. You're not over exaggerating at what not one bit. This is over 30 years of standstill and sanctions we've had with Iran, and all of a sudden the black guy comes in and says, "Hey, maybe we could talk something out." Right, and they set a deal. And it's to the point that if Iran wanted to build a nuclear weapon, it would take them 50 years just to get back to where they were before this deal was signed. This is a huge deal, and it makes the middle. East a little bit safer, not really because we all know that that place is a cluster. Shuck. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. It's definitely a historic deal. And, um, you know, it actually reminds me of, in some weird way, reminds me of my favorite moment of 2015. And if you want to tell me what your favorite moment of 2015 was in politics or elsewhere, you know, you should give us a call um, or you should chime in. But my favorite moment of 2015 is the State of the Union, right? And it's when Obama's like off the cuff. He's like, yeah. I don't have to run again because I won them both, right? But, <laughs> oh. you know, I was like, oh, but you know what? Like that, the reason why I bring that up with mention to the Iran deal because is that he had the political capital in there to do the Iran deal because of the fact that he won both elections, yeah. right? So if he did not, obviously, if he didn't win the second election, then we're having a totally different conversation yeah. right now. But at that point, he didn't have another election to run. And yeah. so he could expend some of the political capital that he had gained after getting reelected in order to say, you know what, let's do this Iran deal. Let's do this diplomatic thing. Yeah. Um, and and obviously, you know, let like let's not forget how we got into this situation with Iran to begin with. Uh, I know I mentioned that when we talked about the Iran deal. Go back and listen to that show. I know I'm directing a lot of people back to previous shows, um, but there's definitely some good stuff there from earlier in the year. Um, Like, we toppled a government in Iran, which led to a hostage crisis, which mm-hmm. led to us not talking to Iran for a long, long time, yep. which led to Iran potentially enriching uranium in order to build a nuclear bomb um, and us then implementing sanctions in order to try and prevent that by crippling their economy. But that wasn't working because it wasn't preventing the centrifuges from spinning. And it was really harming the civilians that which were trying to us. eat and making them hate us. So, I mean, on all levels both on a diplomatic level, but just on a human level, um, this deal made a lot of sense. Now, there's still pushback to this day, and there's still, and oh, we're yeah. going to talk about this more in the second segment, Republican candidates that are pledging to undo this deal. Um, but in terms of historic deals, this isn't the only historic deal we saw the president make between the this and the climate deal that we talked about last week. I mean, the president's really just pushing on <laughs> forward uh, because, like I said, he doesn't have another election to win. No, he's absolutely right. Let me just throw the phone number out there if you have a question 
question or a comment, the number is 212-650-6903. You can also tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. Stanley is our in-house climate expert, works at Environment, we act, Environmental Justice. For environmental and Justice. Yes, I'm sorry so about that. So pretty much here's how to deal when it's between 196 other countries and the deal agrees that the world's powers will make sure. Can you pick up some? Yeah, sure, no problem. So basically what the deal does, um, so uh, f- earlier this month, uh, 196 countries were in Paris coming together to make to put this deal together. Yeah, so what they agreed to do is to make sure that carbon emissions don't go any further than um, 2, I think, point. 2.5 it's like 1.5 percent but no, the aim is two percent yeah they celsius. want to keep it at two percent celsius which is still a bad thing because in order to avoid the natural disasters and all the problems we expect to happen with climate change you have to keep it at 1.5 but we won't talk about that for now because you know that's just no not helping because anybody. The, what we but then said, just oh, go on. so also what it's going to do for the country is the countries are going to be required to report on ways that they're trying to reduce climate emissions which is really good because even though it's there's no mandate on there technically it like it gives it's it creates a sort of like a sort of level of um, accountability for different countries, and this is great for America because since it's not mandatory, the president does not have to get it ratified by Congress, which means it happens. Right, Woo. and you know what? That's, it just speaks to you know what I'll say is the theme of this year sort of is like the president got things done. Yes, yes. you know, yes, and, he and he got things done in the face of a huge amount of opposition from Congress that refused to work with him, uh, from people in his own party that didn't necessarily agree with the way he was. Proceeding, uh, especially with respect to sometimes with the Iran Trans- deal, Trans-Pacific Partnership, or the TPP, Trans- you know, and for like I said, you know, you may disagree with the TPP. That's another one of those trade agreements that I don't particularly like. But the fact is, like he got it, like literally almost everything, with the exception of guns, almost everything that the right. president said he was going to get done, like in his agenda, when you know he's moving towards getting done. Even with or without Congress, he is not waiting around for this body that, you know, and you could say that you disagree with that strategy. But for what it's worth, like the man is getting stuff done. Um, And I think that, you know, like he's definitely there's going to be a lot more stuff like he is not done. There's going to be a lot more things that we see coming up in 2016 that he's going to get done in his last year in office, because at that point, he really has nothing to lose. No, no, definitely. I did want to say kudos to President Obama. I mentioned at the, the very beginning of the show that he's. Um, more people are insured under his signature health care law, and he has a number of achievements that we just listed. He just commuted the sentences of 95 right. people and granted them clemency, including a woman who apparently was locked up for life for her first time drug offense. Wow. Because I, I believe that, you she's know, a mule. yeah, she was like a drug mule, and because of the sentencing guidelines and the amount of drugs that she was carrying, uh, she was sentenced to life in prison, even though she had never been arrested before. Yep. She was one of the people whose sentences were commuted. Um, so, you know, it's been a, a remarkable year in achievements for President Obama. Uh, and on that note, I'm going right. to throw it back to Selena. Yeah. No. So so again, guys, we had a great year ahead. And guess what? We're going to talk about what we expect in 2016, the year ahead. We had a great year behind us. And now forward, we're going to push forward um, in the next half of the show. We'll talk about that. And again, later on in the show, we have a special dreamer and doer, Roy Paul, in the business, in the building with us. And we'll talk to him about everything that he has going on. So stay tuned. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Folks want to pop off, pop off, pop off, pop. Folks want to pop off, pop off, pop off, pop off, pop off. Folks want to pop off.